Welcome to Table Lore, a storytelling podcast providing background lore for tabletop role-playing games or podcasts to fall asleep to. Whatever brings you here, we're just glad you're here. I'm your co-host, Megan. And I'm your other co-host, Cass. Keep in mind that Table Lore is a fictional storytelling podcast, and while sometimes we will explore real legends, nothing we say should be treated as fact. This week, we're going to Michigan. Megan. Hi, Cass. How are you feeling this week? I am feeling really ready to record another episode. Um, and also just being like really grateful for everybody who has listened already and all the support that we've been shown. It means a lot to us. And we're just really grateful. Yeah, it does mean a lot, especially all our best friends who've been listening. So, Megan, what do you know about Michigan? Do you have any fun stories or personal connections? I spent some time in Indiana a couple years ago and uh, drove through Michigan a couple of times. It's pretty. It's very, like, the part of Michigan that I went to was kind of by Lake Michigan. It was really pretty. The winters are pretty brutal, though. With the lake effect snow. Yeah, I know about the lake effect snow. I lived right next to Lake Superior for several years. Yeah, Cass grew up in the Arctic, Minnesota. (laughs) Whereas I grew up in the desert, Arizona. So I don't know much about lake effect snow. Well, I think what really excites me about Michigan is how beautiful it looks. I've never been there, but from pictures, it's really exciting. Describe what Michigan looks like for our audience, please, Cass. Um, very green, I would say, when it's not lake effect snowing. Um, just big forest um, and beautiful coastline. Michigan borders four of the five Great Lakes. So as you can imagine, just beautiful, beautiful shorelines. Um, and... Yeah, just fantastic. Yeah, just like kind of think of the ideal autumn scene. You know, big, tall, leafy trees that are just vibrant oranges and yellows and reds. The leaves just kind of falling through the air, lining, you know, this little winding forest road that you're driving down. Just like the epitome of like the autumn postcards that you see Mm -hmm. that's kind of how I envision Michigan that's been my experience with Michigan and that is the setting of our story today so as we were preparing for this episode I was researching a little bit into Michigan folklore um, just to make sure that nothing we came up with was too similar and I came across something extremely interesting called the Paulding Light. So on U.S. Highway 45, there's a stretch of road where there have been several, several, several reports of this mysterious light that blinks on and off on the road. And so lots of theories about it, that it could be, you know, some spectral 
beings or that they're just car headlights, but that's not fun. So I like to believe it was uh, something a little more creative than that. And didn't you say there was a sign posted on the road just warning people like, hey, there's this weird light. We don't know what it is, but it's there. So just like, yeah. be aware. Yeah, the U.S. Forest, Forest Service has a sign explaining the Paulding light. So I think that's pretty cool. That's so cool. That's not what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, we just wanted to shout out to some Michigan folklore. Mm-hmm. Every now and then we'll do an episode based around real legend and folklore. Um, just because sometimes we come across things that are really interesting. Or sometimes we'll just shout out, highlight a couple of the interesting lore that we learn. Set the scene for us, Cass. So... It is late October in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. The trees are letting go of their beautiful leaves. Um, It's dark out. It's nighttime. It's about 45 degrees. So definitely a chill in the air Mm. as you step outside. Sounds beautiful. That's my favorite time of year. Maybe even we're getting a little bit of a drizzle, which lets you know that the snow is coming soon. But not quite yet. Our main character is at her friend's house. Our main character's name is Ashley. Yeah, and I think she's pretty young, like 24. Mm-hmm. That's pretty young. I was 24 like two years ago. It's a really young age to be. <laughs> and now you're old. <laughs> Do you and... remember being 24? No, I'm too wizened to remember being 24 it was three whole years ago whoa that's a really long time ago okay but imagine being 24 in the year 2003 yeah there's some questionable fashion choices that a 24 year old has to go through (laughs) she's probably doing like denim on denim on denim denim on denim is a look with like the butterfly clips are we still doing butterfly clips in 2003 or is that more of a 90s thing Anyway, she's at least got streaky, like, highlights in her hair. Like, chunky highlights? Yeah, like, the really chunky, very stringy-looking highlights. I mean, that a 24-year-old in 2003 is for sure going to have. Well, she was fashionable. She knew what was going on. Well, yeah, she was following all the latest trends. Well, you got to follow the latest trends when you live in the UP. The Upper Peninsula. Yeah, so Ashley, 24-year-old Uper at her friend's house um what was she doing at her friend's house um her best friend melissa's birthday party yeah yeah they're just having a good time probably have some like of the latest hits playing oh do you remember the latest hits in 2003 megan 2003 who i mean In 2003, 2003, Megan was probably listening to Hilary Duff. Mm -hmm. Beyonce. Uh, 2003, Megan probably wasn't listening to Beyonce. Is Hilary Duff on the 2003 Greatest Hits playlist? Um, I mean, I have a, a website here telling me the top 40 singles. For the week ending on October 25th, 2003, and Hillary Duff, So Yesterday, is on that list. Yeah, that's correct. 
that really speaks to you. Didn't you have the exclusive CD-ROM of... I got the signed copy. Probably not actually signed by her and just, like, a reprinted signature on there. But, like, seven-year-old Megan was living her best life with her Hilary Duff metamorphosis CD. So, Ashley... For sure is bopping to some Hillary Duff at this party. I think, she, like, ironically or unironically, because I think they're too old to want. No, fully unironically. Hillary Duff is a classic. I thought she was a classic for, like, children and preteens. I, I don't I'm I'm a little offended by that cast. I'm not going to lie. I bet you they're listening to the Top 40 radio and knew that week had just come out. Cheryl Crow, first cut is the deepest. I think they're too young for that. I think my mom was listening to Cheryl Crow in 2003. So they're listening to some Matchbox 20, some Christina Aguilera, some Britney Spears. And they're just having a good time. Um, I don't know what 24-year-olds do at parties. Yeah, we're not much for parties. We, we play D&D mostly, so... So as you can assume, we're not much for parties. <laughs> well, not the kind of parties that the 24-year-old Ashley and her friends are having, which is probably like, I don't know, maybe some karaoke, some twister. <laughs> I think you're like describing a 13-year-old's birthday party right now. Well, maybe that's what I wanted in 2003. When you were seven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Ashley and Melissa's, all their best good friends are here. It's probably a dozen young adults just hanging out at Melissa's grandparents' cabin um, at a kind of secluded little spot in some forest. After a riveting round of Twister, Ashley and her friends sit together in the living room to chat and enjoy some party snacks. They absentmindedly drink a can of Surge and eat a bag of 3D Doritos, not knowing that these delicious delights would soon get discontinued. Hannah suggests a game of truth or dare, which everyone enthusiastically agrees to. Melissa went first, confessing that she has never seen Star Wars and never wants to, much to everyone's dismay. Then dares Jamie to try to spoon trick. Everyone cries from laughter watching Jamie attempts to hang a metal spoon from his nose unsuccessfully. The mood is joyful and Ashley feels her stomach sink when she notices the time, which is 10.50. She works as a vet tech and has an early appointment the next day. So despite wishing she could stay and participate more in the fun, she decides now is the best time for her to leave and take the 45-minute drive home. So it's 11 p.m. It's dark outside. It's a little drizzly, a little misty, kind of foggy. The roads are relatively empty of other drivers. So Ashley kind of has the road to herself, this little kind of winding forest road that she has to take to get back to town. Yeah, it's just like one of those winding forest roads that one lane coming one lane going and that's it yeah and so she's driving 
down the road. Doesn't have the radio on. She's kind of just sitting with her thoughts. Kind of just thinking about what she has to do the next day. How the party was. So as Ashley is driving, it's like one of those drives where she's a local. She knows the UP. She knows the roads. Like this isn't hard or difficult for her to do. But it is very dark. It's very dark with all the old growth trees. Yeah, and she's got this like an old car. The brights don't really work. So her headlights are doing their best, but they're not doing much. They're certainly not doing the most, but they are doing the best that they can. Yeah, they're putting their best light forward. Yeah. So she can only see so far ahead of her, and it's mostly just slick black asphalt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, decaying leaves plastered to the road. If she was outside, the air probably smells absolutely divine. That's the best smell. Like the best, like crispy decaying leaves and the rain, mm, wet dirt. Like um, literally my favorite scent. I'm not even joking. Don't get me started about that wet dirt. As Ashley continues her drive, she's about two-thirds of the way into it until she's back home and decides that a little bit of music would help her stay awake. She's getting a little bit sleepy. And she looks down briefly to just flip the dial on, no- registers in the back of her mind that it, the clock reads 11.27 and drift away by Uncle Cracker starts playing over the radio. Ashley is tapping her fingers on the steering wheel to the beat of the song as she's continuing her drive. And then in an instant, something bolts into the road and Ashley swerves to avoid hitting this creature. And she hits a tree and blacks out. Ashley wakes up and she is sitting on Melissa's grandma's couch in the cabin. And she's a little confused because she's already left this party. And she looks around at her friends, and they are exactly as they were. She has seen them do this before. Like, Jamie is, like, trying to do the spoon trick on his nose, and everybody's laughing at him. And she knows that she's been here. And she looks at the time, and it says 10.50. So Ashley thinks that maybe she had just fallen asleep, and that all this was a dream... And realizing that it's getting pretty late, decides that it's time for her to leave. She has work in the morning, so she makes her round, says goodbye to everybody, gives Melissa a hug, says happy birthday one more time, grabs her coat and her purse, and gets in her car and drives home. Ashley is driving down this misty road, feeling tired, feeling like maybe she shouldn't have gone to this party even though it was a good time. But kind of wishing that she'd stayed home and slept so that she had a good night's sleep before she had to go to work in the morning. And she's just kind of drumming her fingers on the steering wheel and decides that she's going to turn on some music on the radio. So she looks down to switch on the radio and... Uncle Cracker starts playing on the radio. And as Uncle Cracker turns on, she remembers waking up from this dream that she had just had and is realizing that maybe something else is happening. 
like an like an overwhelming feeling of deja vu yeah just like this overwhelming feeling of deja vu hits ashley as she realizes that she has felt like she's been here before or has been here before in this moment she notices a large creature dart into the road in front of her car and the compassionate vet tech that she is swerves immediately to avoid hitting it and smashes into a tree and blacks out. Startled by this, Ashley wakes up in a panic just as she's sticking her key into the ignition to turn her car on. She hasn't left the party yet. She's still at Melissa's grandparents' house, now putting the key into the ignition to turn her car on to drive home. And this panics Ashley even further because she's now had the same dream, she thinks, twice now. And she's not sure if this is just a premonition that she's feeling, if this is some sort of intuition telling her not to drive home. And Ashley's feeling confused, wondering if maybe something had happened to her at the party. Maybe she shouldn't be driving home. But she feels fine other than this feeling that's this kind of building in her chest of of dread or maybe worry that she's feeling. But she decides that it's probably nothing. It's probably just her mind overacting, overthinking. She tends to overthink things sometimes, and so she just kind of believes that that's what she's doing. So she turns the car on and begins her drive home. So Ashley continues on her drive now for the third time, seemingly. And about halfway in, she gets this urge to turn the radio on and as she does drift away starts playing through her speakers and almost immediately a creature darts into the road she swerves to avoid hitting it crashes into a tree and blacks out so this is now the third time that this has happened to her she wakes up for the fourth time This time, she has just left Melissa's grandparents' property and is already driving down this road. Which I think would be extremely unsettling. Yeah, she's probably feeling very unsettled right now. And no longer is it just a, oh, I must be overthinking. This is just kind of my intuition trying to overreact to something. She's now... feeling genuine concern for what is happening to her and in her mind she's trying to figure out what this creature looks like what this creature is that keeps jumping out at her ashley decides to steal her nerves and harness her fear into paying more close attention to what seems to be happening to her in the moments before she crashes every time She's determined this time not to swerve and crash the car, but also to figure out what this creature is. So she's driving down the road again, more anxious than she's been this entire time. Just like her legs are shaking, her fingers are just rapidly tapping on the steering wheel. 
And after a certain point, Ashley is just compelled. She can't resist the urge to turn on the radio. Drift Away echoes through the speakers as Ashley fights with herself to snap her eyes back to the road so that she can get a better glimpse of this creature that she is hoping to avoid. And she sees what appears to be a large four-legged creature with antlers atop its head about to dash into the road. And she tries to switch feet over to the brakes, but her body won't let her. And instead, she swerves, hits a tree, and blacks out. This time, when she wakes up, she notes to herself that every time she turns the radio on, the clock reads 11.27. And as she is waking up, she's driving already in the car. The car is on, the car is moving, she's driving, and she notices that the clock reads 11.23. She knows that she has about four minutes now to prepare herself for seeing this, what she assumes to be deer or deer-like creature. Rather than trying to avoid hitting this deer-like creature, Ashley decides that she's just going to stop the car, turn around, and go back to Melissa's grandparents' house. That seems to be the best course of action for her to take at this point. As she turns her wheel to the left to make an illegal U-turn, her body stiffens and refuses to follow her brain's commands to turn the wheel. The car begins to speed up as she feels her right leg involuntarily press harder against the gas pedal, taking her in the direction of the crash scene. Feeling helplessly trapped in the situation, Ashley's hands tremble with terror as they grip tighter around the steering wheel. The clock reads 11.26, and she tries one more time to turn the car around, but with no success. Her eyes blur from her tears of frustration as she feels her right hand involuntarily switch the radio dial on. She has reached the unavoidable, and just as she yanks the wheel to avoid the deer, the creature turns its head, revealing three piercing red eyes. The momentum of the car crashing into the tree sends Ashley's head forward and onto the steering wheel, which causes her to black out. She wakes up with a pounding headache and takes a moment to come to full consciousness. Once she's fully aware of her surroundings, she realizes she is no longer in her car, but instead has woken up inside her apartment with her alarm clock ringing from her bedside table. The terror and anxiety of the drive home rushes through her body still, but as she moves through her morning routine, her mind calms and she comforts herself by saying it was all just a dream. After her shower, she wipes the fog from her bathroom mirror and for the first time notices an unexplainable gash in her forehead, which is no longer bleeding, but appears to be fresh. Ashley's stomach drops after seeing her reflection. She abandons her towel and reaches, with trembling hands, for her first aid kit in her medicine cabinet to begin bandaging her wound. She looks around her apartment, trying to figure out where she hit her head, 
hoping that she had just fallen out of bed or tripped on something when she got home. But her only memories after leaving the party are of seeing that creature and crashing. She opens a window facing the parking lot of her apartment to look for her car, knowing that that's the only way to confirm that nothing happened and that it was all a dream. But her car isn't there. Her legs shake and grow weak beneath her and she falls to her knees. In the grove of trees behind the parking lot, she sees, with perfect clarity, the creature looking up at her. Megan, it's really hard to do a time loop story. It is really hard to do a time loop story. It was fun to, to kind of figure out what was happening to Ashley. What was happening to Ashley? Well, I don't know. I think what was dawning upon me as we told the story was whether or not this not deer is evil or maybe it's not, right? Like she got mm-hmm. home. So I'm really curious to see what our audience thinks. Tell us more about this not deer creature. Like, what is a not deer? So, not deer are cryptids, but they're not, it's not just like one cryptid entity. Like, it's not one Mothman or one Jersey Devil. So, they're kind of like a phenomenon that was largely based in Appalachian folklore and didn't really get a name until a few years ago. I don't know who to credit exactly for this, but like, there were some posts going around on social media, probably Reddit, maybe Tumblr. But somebody really coined this phrase, not deer, which is a phrase used to describe a creature that at first glance and assumption is just a deer, right? But upon a little bit of a closer look, something is wrong about them. Something makes them not quite a deer. Like maybe having three eyes. Exactly. So like our not deer has three eyes. Other not deer have been said to have like their necks are too long or their eyes are facing forward in their head like they're predators or perhaps they have like fangs. So it's just kind of something interesting to think about and I liked the idea of this vet tech running into a not deer. Yeah, I think that's very fitting. So one of the things that we were thinking about as we were writing this story is what are some of the ways that we can make this deer like creature not a deer like what are some of the identifying factors that make this thing not what it seems and we really liked the idea of a time loop and so we thought that perhaps this creature could have some sort of like magical mystical ability to mess with time somehow and one of the things that we both kind of thought about as we were recording is is this creature evil or is this creature not evil like what is its intentions with ashley and that's one of the things that we're really interested to hear from you about what your theories are about this deer is this creature trying to protect Ashley from something? Maybe there's some other incident that could have happened to her further down the road. And so this not deer was trying to prevent her from running into that. Um, maybe this not deer had it out for Ashley. And this is now... <laughs> Plotting to do some more dastardly deeds to Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, I hope our audience plays out and lets us know. 
yeah, so as per usual, stick around for some more gameplay suggestions. So now it's time to roll our D100 and see where our story will be based next week. All right, Megan, I'll let you take it away. All right. All right. Looks like we've got... 20. Okay, let's see what 20 is. 20 is the peach state of Georgia. I'll see you there next week. All right. Okay, storytellers, now it's your turn to create the rest of the story. Roll a d6 for inspiration about how to continue the story. If you roll a 1 or 2, dive into a past encounter with the not deer. Who else has interacted with it? What was the outcome? Evil? Good? If you roll a 3 or 4, you and your party are the friends of Ashley trying to help her move forward from this encounter. What do you discover about the not deer and its interest in Ashley? If you roll a five or six, Ashley's story becomes a legend in the area. You and your party are newcomers, and someone in your party decides to investigate the legend and find the not deer. What happens? Are you thrown into a time loop or something else?